Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is the Horror Shots Podcast. Hello again, and welcome to another Horror Shots Podcast with me, Casey. I did promise I would be back every week, every Tuesday, and today is not Tuesday. Sadly, I did miss yesterday. Some stuff came up. I didn't have time, so on and so forth. Excuse after excuse. But I am back today, and I'm going to be looking at something a little bit close to all of our hearts. Close to mine, and close to yours. It is the fall season. Everybody's favorite season. You get the best colors, you get the best weather, you get some nice moody atmospheres out there for making horror movies or writing horror movies or writing horror books or anything to do with horror this is the perfect time of year and of course with fall comes halloween so i'm gonna look a little bit into the history of that but first some housekeeping if you've ever wondered where you can find out more about me and what i do with my spare time and my creativity you can always check out my website at horrorshots.com you can find all my podcasts on there all the horror shots podcast that is you can also check out some pictures buy some merch you know all that kind of fun stuff is available on my website and if you subscribe to the mailing list you will get a free digital copy of necromancy and other mystical things i'm neck deep in writing the sequel for that so i hope you can get on that bandwagon and read the first one before i do release the second one I'm not sure what the timeline is on that just yet, but it will be released, hopefully, late this year, early next year. I'm about a quarter of the way through writing it, Uh, then there's going to be the editing and then cover design. So I'm hoping not too long, but I really got to buckle down and start writing a little bit more, cut out some distractions like video games and other things. Also, and I think I'm going to mention this now, if you live in Toronto and you want to come see me on November 4th, the weekend of November 4th at Horrorama, which is being held in Toronto, down on Bathurst Street. You can do that. I'm going to be hosting a booth, and I'll be selling some prints and maybe some books. And we'll see what else I can scrounge up. But if you just want to come by and say hi and say that you're a fan of the podcast, that would be phenomenal. That would be awesome. That's, again, Horrorama in Toronto, the weekend of November 4th. Tickets are on sale now, so... Rabbit. There's some great guests there, too. I believe they have Dee Wallace, who is one of my favorite horror actresses or screen queens of all time. She's going to be there, and I'm hoping I get to meet her. Maybe I'll give her a free print. Maybe. We'll see. Other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at HorrorShotsPod or on Instagram at HorrorShotsPhotography. You know, send me a message on there, and I think I still have some free copies of my books lying around. So if you still want one of those, hit me up, and I'll uh, grab your info and send one. I had somebody actually on Instagram, send me a message saying that they were interested in Lizzie. Send it to him and even left a review on Amazon. So thank you, kind sir. You know who you are. I'm not sure if I should say your name or your Instagram handle or not, but if you don't mind, you know, just send me a message on Instagram and uh, I'll give you a shout out on the next cast. But for today, I want to get back on to topic. And today's topic is the history and origins of Halloween. Now, with the season approaching very quickly, and I'm talking very quickly, 2018 has gone by in the blink of an eye. I figured it would be the perfect time to talk about 
nothing else but Halloween. From now until leading up, I'll try to get as many casts in as I can about this phenomenal time of year. There's even a new Halloween movie coming out, which I'm so excited for. It's ridiculous. I'm one of the biggest Halloween fans out there. I've seen them all about a bajillion times. I don't think that's an exaggeration either. Nevertheless, there's a new one coming out from all reviews. So far, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty, pretty good one. But about the actual holiday, we cannot talk about Halloween without talking about Soween. Or, as it's spelt, Samhain. Now, a lot of people don't know exactly how to say it. It is an old Gaelic word, so there's a lot of different ways to say it, depending on the part of the dialect that is being spoken at the time. I like to call it Samween. But, again, I'm a filthy North American who doesn't have any culture. Now, why am I throwing this funny word at you? There's a reason for that. Halloween definitely has its origins in the Gaelic and Celtic myths and legends and lore of this Samween. And it is described as a Gaelic festival marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the winter or darker half of the year. Traditionally, it is celebrated from October 31st, Halloween, to November 1st, as the Celtic day began and ended at sunset. This is about halfway between the autumn equinox and the winter solace. It is one of the four Gaelic seasonal festivals along with Imbolic, Bellatine, and this is a tough one to say, but I'm going to give it a shot. Luhaniseth. Could be completely wrong on that. Feel free to correct me as my best effort. Historically, it was widely observed throughout Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. Similar festivals are held at the same time of year in other Celtic lands. For example, in Wales, and in Cornwall, and in a place called Brittany. Both Celtic branches are roughly as old as each other, and there is no specific date that this came in. It is one of the older pagan traditions, which I am about to get into right now. Samhain is believed to have Celtic pagan origins, and there is evidence that it has been an important date since ancient times. Some Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are aligned with the sunrise around the time of Samhain, or Samhain, or Halloween. It is indeed mentioned in some of the earliest Irish literature, and many important events in Irish mythology happen or begin on Samhain, or Samween, or again, Halloween. I may jump back and forth on the saying of this. It's written to say Samhain, and I'm reading. This is not all the top of my head. I'm not that smart. It was a time when cattle were brought back down from the summer pastures and when livestock were slaughtered for the winter, as at Bellantane, Special bonfires were lit. These were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers, and there were rituals involved with them. Like Bellatine, Samhain was seen as a liminal time, when the boundary between the world and the other world, or afterlife as we may know it, could be more easily crossed. This meant the spirits or fairies could easily come over into our world. Most scholars of the Asi as it's spelt here, I'm not sure pronunciation-wise how to say that completely, but it translates into fairies, essentially, and spirits, and that sort of other realm sort of folk. Most of the scholars see the spirits as remnants of the pagan gods and nature spirits. At Samhain, it was believed that the Awasi needed to be propitiated to ensure that the people and the livestock survived the winter. Offerings of food and drink were left outside for them, the souls of the dead were also thought to revisit their homes seeking hospitality. 
Feasts were had at which the souls of the dead kin were beckoned to attend and a place set at the table for them. Mumming and guising were part of the festival and involved people going door-to-door -door in costume or disguised, often reciting verses in exchange for food, trick-or-treating. The costumes may have been a way of intimidating and disguising oneself from the spirits. Divination rituals and games were also a big part of the festival and often involved nuts and apples. Bobbing for apples, anybody? In the late 19th century, Sir John Rees and Sir James Fraser suggested that this was the Celtic New Year, and this view has been repeated by some other scholars as well. In the 19th century AD, the Western Christian Church shifted the date of All Saints Day from the month of May to the 1st of November, while the 2nd of November later became All Souls Day. Over time, Sam Ween and All Saints slash All Souls merged to create the modern Halloween. Historians have used the name Sam Ween to refer to Gaelic Halloween customs up until the 19th century. Since the later 20th century, Celtic neo-pagans and Wiccans have observed Samhain, or something based on it, as a religious holiday. Neo-pagans in the Southern Hemisphere often celebrate Samhain at the other end of the year, about May 1st. So just to round out a little bit more history on Samhain, just a little bit more I gotta go over here, then we'll get into some more of the mythological stuff, and then, next cast, we'll get into some more Halloween stuff. But, for now, a little bit more Samhain. Samhain was the name of the festival marking the beginning of winter in Gaelic Ireland. It is attested in some of the earliest Old Irish literature from the 10th century onward, and was one of four Gaelic seasonal festivals, as I mentioned prior. November 1st was Samhain, Imbolic was February 1st, Bellantine was May 1st, and the one I just realized I butchered earlier, all I had to do was look up the pronunciation key, and it's pronounced Lunessa, which is on August 1st. It is spelled, let me just clarify this, L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H. Yes, that does spell Lunessa. In retrospect, absolutely it does. My modern English brain does not read it as Lunessa. Anyway. Sam Ween and Beltine, at the witherward side of the year from each other, are thought to have been the most important. Sir James George Fraser wrote in The Golden Bow, a study in magic and religion, that May 1st and November 1st are of little importance to European crop growers, but of great importance to herdsmen. It's at the beginning of the summer that the cattle are driven to the upland summer pastures, and the beginning of winter that they are led back. Thus, Fraser suggests that having the year at May 1st, November 1st dates from a time when the Celts were mainly a pastoral people dependent on their herds. Some Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are aligned with the sunrise around the time of Samhain and Imbolic. These include the Mound of the Hostages at the Hill of Tara and Cairn El at Slivna Cala. In medieval Ireland, the festival marked the end of the season for trade and warfare and was a time for tribal gatherings. These gatherings are a popular setting for early Irish tales. Now it's time to get on to some more of the fun stuff, some more of the mythological stuff. Irish mythology was originally a spoken tradition, but much of it was eventually written down in the Middle Ages by Christian monks, of all people, who 
Christianized it to some extent. Nevertheless, these tales may shed some light on what Samhain meant and how it was marked in ancient Ireland. Irish mythology tells us that Samhain was one of the four seasonal festivals of the year, as previously mentioned, and the 10th century tale, The Wooing of Emmer, lists Samhain as the first of these four quarter days. The tales say it was marked by a great gathering where they held meetings, feasted, drank alcohol, and held contests. According to Irish mythology, Samhain, like Beltane, was a time when the doorways to the other world opened, allowing supernatural beings and the souls of the dead to come into our world. But while Beltane was a summer festival for the living, Samhain was essentially a festival for the dead. The boyhood deeds of Finn says that the fairy mounds or portals to the other world were always open at Samhain. It tells us that the High King of Ireland hosted a great gathering at Terra each Samhain. Each year, the fire-breather Eileen emerged from the other world and burned down the palace of Terra after lulling everybody to sleep with his music. One Samhain, the young Finn Maccomhill, is able to stay awake and slay Eileen with a magical spear for which he is made leader of the Fianna. Kolaki of the Elders tells how three female werewolves emerge from the cave of Kruachan, an otherworld portal, each Samween and kill livestock. When Kaskarak plays his harp, they take on human form, and the Fianna warrior, Kelt, then slay them with a spear. Some tales may suggest that offerings or sacrifices were made at Samween. In the Book of Invasions, each Samween, the people of Nemed had to give two-thirds of their children, their corn, and their milk to the monstrous Fomorians. The Fomorians seem to represent the harmful or destructive powers of nature, personifications of chaos, darkness, death, blight, and drought. This tribute, paid by Nemed's people, may represent a sacrifice offered at the beginning of winter when the powers of darkness and blight are in the ascendant. According to the later Dinsinchas, the Annals of the Four Masters, which were written by Christian monks, Samhain in ancient Ireland was associated with a god or idol called Cromcrock. The texts claim that a firstborn child would be sacrificed at the stone idol of Cromcock in Mach Slech. They say that King Tigermas and three-fourths of his people died while worshipping at that particular idol, one Samhain. Now, many other events in Irish mythology happened or begin on Samhain. The invasion of Ulster that makes up the main action of the cattle raid of Cooley begins on Samhain. As cattle raiding typically was a summer event, the invasion during this off-season surprised the Ulstermen. The second battle of Ma Turda also begins on Samhain. The Morrigan and the Degada meet and have sex before the battle against the Fomorians. In this way, the Morrigan acts as a sovereignty figure and gives the victory to Degada's people. And to round this episode off, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a quote and some more modern interpretations of Samhain. In the Stations of the Sun, a history of the ritual year in Britain, 1996, Ronald Hutton writes, No doubt there were pagan religious observances as well, but none of the tales ever portrays any. The only historic reference to pagan religious rites in the 
work of Geoffrey Keating, who died in 1644, but his source is unknown. Hutton says it may be that no religious rites are ever mentioned because centuries after Christianization, the writers had no record of them. Hutton suggests that Samhain may not have been particularly associated with the supernatural. He says that gatherings of royalty and warriors on Samhain may simply have been an ideal setting for such tales, in the same way that many Arthurian tales are set at courtly gatherings at Christmas or the Pentecost. I really do hope you enjoyed that episode on Samhain. I really do hope you continue to listen, and I will do a little bit more on Halloween as the weeks progress. Next week, I will definitely sit down and do a little bit more research into Halloween itself and what we know it as today and not something so ancient. I'm looking forward to it. I've looked into Halloween before, and I've probably forgotten more about Halloween than most people actually know. So we'll get into that next week. After that, I'm going to go into a little bit more of a media style and look at the effects that Halloween has had on our culture, especially during the fall season. We've got horror movies that come out all over the place, and there's nothing better than sitting down on a dark fall night with the wind howling in the background and the rain tapping on the window as you watch Jason stalk his next victim. I've always found something like that to be a little bit more entertaining than watching it on a Saturday in June when the sun's bright and there's not a cloud in the sky. There's just no atmosphere. Yes, atmosphere. That is what Halloween and fall or autumn is all about.